Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I love your pastor. I met Pastor Sean 10 years ago. And I remember the first time I met him, I was like, I love this guy. I like this guy. He's a little crazy. But crazy is good. How many are crazy here this morning? Yeah. Anybody ready to dive into God's word? Yes. All right. Well, that's three of you. All right. The rest of you need to get saved. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be in your word today and to hear from you. We ask that this would be an incredible moment. Just take us away, Lord. We want to be with you for these next 30 minutes. We want to hear from your heart to ours. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Buddy and Edna went to the state fair here in Green Bay. And every year, Buddy would say, Edna, I want to ride that helicopter. Edna would say, I know, Buddy, but that helicopter ride is 50 bucks. And 50 bucks is 50 bucks. Well, the next year, they went to the state fair. Buddy said, Edna, I am now 83 years old. How long are we going to wait to ride the helicopter ride? I might not ever get the chance. And Edna said, Buddy, that helicopter ride is 50 bucks. And 50 bucks is 50 bucks. The pilot is standing there. He overhears this. He remembers them from the previous year. He goes, hey, excuse me, folks. I couldn't help but hear you. Tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll take you both up for free. The deal is you can't make a single noise during the entire helicopter ride. If I land and you haven't made a peep, you get it for free. Is it a deal? They're like, yeah. So Buddy had to go up in the helicopter. The pilot does all kinds of fancy maneuvers. He's diving, he's turning. Oh my goodness, he just took them on a roller coaster ride. Finally, he lands the helicopter and he turns to Buddy and he said, man, I did everything I could to get you to yell out, but I didn't hear a peep, I am impressed. And Buddy said, well, to tell you the truth, I almost said something when Edna fell out, but 50 bucks is 50 bucks. How many agree? 50 bucks is 50 bucks, yeah. Before Sandy and I were married, uh, I actually prayed that I would marry a California blonde. So I want to tell you, prayer works, true story. I went to California on vacation. I was a young man, 21 years old, and I saw these cute California blondes And I was like, I would pray at night. Now I lay me down to sleep, and Lord, please help me find a California blonde. Amen. (laughs) And God answered my prayer. So I want to just uh, point out my wife, Sandy. She saw it. Would you stand for just a second, hon? There's my California blonde. She's so cute. Has anybody ever made a bad decision? Wow, look at you all, holy and everything. Anybody ever made a bad decision? Mm Mm-hmm. One time, Sandy and I wanted to get out of town, and we didn't have much money. Our kids were like seven and eight years old, and so I booked a cheap hotel up in the mountains to get out of the Phoenix heat, and 
We get to this hotel and Sandy just groans. I mean, the carpet is threadbare. The bathroom was so dinky when you close the door, you got goosed by the doorknob. And the bath mat outside the shower was a paper bath mat. How many know it's a hoopty motel when you got a paper bath mat? And I'm thinking, how do I recover from this bad decision? And right about then, I could hear our kids giggling. I go back in where the beds are, and they had a coin-operated vibrator in each bed. How many remember those? <laughs> my daughter turns to me, she's like, Daddy, put a quarter in, you know? So I put a quarter in in both beds, and Josh and Chrissy, our kids, they're just laying there, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And Chrissy turns to my son and says, Josh, isn't this the best hotel ever? I'm like, yes! <laughs> Daddy victory, right? Isn't it fun how sometimes a bad decision can turn into something beautiful? So good. A bad decision. That's God's specialty, giving us beauty for ashes. I have a degree in electrical engineering from the University of Colorado. The longer I talk, the more you'll wonder how I ever got it. <laughs> I wasn't always a pastor. I was an engineering manager for Honeywell in Phoenix and in Colorado Springs, and then Sandy and I moved to the Seattle area because I got a job working for Microsoft. And this is within the 90s when Microsoft was a smaller company. I was the director for worldwide operations. It was my dream job and my dream company, and I was going to be one of the Microsoft millionaires of the 90s. I was making a six-figure salary. I had 16,000 shares of Microsoft stock. I had a spreadsheet on my screensaver on my computer that would calculate my net worth every morning. I would come in and turn it on and up would pop this screen and I'd be like, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> it was, uh, stock was selling for like $250, $300 a share then. I got two cash bonuses of $25,000 and one of them was like at the beginning of November, I would just give it to Sandy and say, have a good time for Christmas shopping. How many would like to experience that? Wouldn't that be cool? And that's when God called me into the ministry. Not cool. <laughs> this pastor calls me and he says, would you like to plant a church in a place called Surprise? I'm like, no, you can tell me what the name of it is. He's like, no, it's called Surprise, Arizona. And he says, hey, why don't we meet for breakfast at Denny's? I don't eat at Denny's. I do now, but I didn't eat at Denny's back then. So I agreed. I said, hey, so I rent my standard rental Cadillac that I would get as I travel for Microsoft, and I drive up to this Denny's, and here comes this pastor driving up in his old Ford pickup truck, and I'm like, huh, doesn't look like he makes much money. And so he starts talking about there's no church, there's no building, there's no people, there's nothing. You just kind of, you know, parachute in, and you start a church. I'm like, well, can you tell me what the compensation package is? <laughs> and he goes, 22000 a year. I go, in my mind, I go, I paid double that in income tax last year. Are you kidding me? And I felt something. So I had to give up what we had. Because, see, at Microsoft, if you quit, you lose your stock options. They're called golden handcuffs. They're designed to keep you there. I was a millionaire on paper, but I lost it all. 
So we moved to Surprise, Arizona, bought a house. I actually bought it while I was still working at Microsoft as a second house because I could qualify then. And we started having a core group meeting in our living room. According to Outreach Magazine, our church, Radiant Church in Surprise, Arizona, grew from zero to 6,200 people in 10 years. 6,000 people. But I have to confess I'm a workaholic. Any of you workaholics? Yeah. <laughs> you can't even raise your head. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to work, but it's a curse. It can, you've got to be careful with that. So I was drinking three Rockstar energy drinks per day. The tall ones, Rockstar lemonade, that's the drink of choice. On Sundays, I would drink five because we had three services. We had one Friday service, two Saturday services, three Sunday services. I got very exhausted, very burned out, in a very unhealthy place. So 10 years ago, July 17th, 2011, I had to stand up in front of my church and tell them and confess to them that I had a moral failure. I'm a fallen pastor of a megachurch. I didn't set out to have a moral failure. Nobody ever says, let's see if I could screw up everything about my life. But that's what it did. It started on Facebook. Pretty innocent. I love staying in touch with people. The more you're around me, you realize I'm a, I'm a people person. I, I'm the last to leave church. Sandy's like, just because you're the pastor doesn't mean you have to be the last one to leave. And I go, but there might be somebody who wants to talk to me. <laughs> and Sandy's an introvert, so that's really fun. You know, she's like, can we go home now? But she would love to say hi to you today, just so you're wondering. <laughs> but it's easier to let your guard down. Next thing you know, somebody's sending you a DM. Hey, I really like that shirt you had on today. Oh. They're not talking about the shirt sometimes. Next thing you know, you're sending DMs, and then it turns to text messages of things you should not be saying to somebody else. And then it gets worse. Somebody shows up in your office. Suddenly it isn't just electronic, it's reality, it's physical. A three-second grope happened in my office brief physical contact. I thank God it did not turn into a full-blown affair, but in the ministry world, you're out. That three-second physical contact devastated my life. It wiped out my family's life. It ruined my ministry. I had to quit as the pastor of the church we started and poured our life into. 22-acre campus, 120,000 square feet under roof. I lost everything. But I was wrong. I sinned. How dare I do that? I sinned against God first, my wife second, and my kids. Nobody else is to blame. I let many people down. Now my wife Sandy is amazing. 
You may not even want to talk to me after this, but you'll probably want to talk to her. She's the hero of my story. She was mad at me for like five minutes. I said, do you want me to go get a hotel? She goes, no. Do you want me to sleep in the guest room? No. She goes, you're, you're my husband. I don't want you to think for one second that I stopped loving you. We'll get through this like we've got through everything else. She chose to show me grace and love. She never said the word divorce. Murder, yes. Divorce, no. <laughs> Sandy and I have been married 41 years now. Uh, <laughs> give Sandy a hand. We got married when we were 10, in case you're doing the math. <laughs> my son Josh is 30, my daughter Chrissy is 29. They're both married. But our kids paid an awesome, terrible price for my sin. I lost my ministry, my truck, my job, my income, my health plan, our house. I'm like a country song. <laughs> I lost all those things. On top of that, then we had a lawsuit filed against us for millions of dollars, and that led to a whole bunch of junk on the internet, people talking about stuff they don't know what they're talking about. The lawsuit's over now, but there's things on the internet that never leave the internet. We have Al Gore to blame for that, since he's the one who actually invented the internet. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> there's a bunch of slanderous lies out there, and I've always said I'm not going to defend myself. Let God take care of that. Do you know if you let God defend you, he does a lot better job than you can do. Yeah. So I went through a two-year restoration program with Pastor Tommy Bardet at Dream City Church in Phoenix. He's, he's like Yoda to all us pastors, you know. He's like, you, restore. Yes, we will. <laughs> and uh, I had to pay for my own weekly counseling for two years. Hardest thing I've ever gone through. Now, some of you might be like, Wow, why did Sean and Sonny decide to have you speak? <laughs> what a depressing story. All right, listen, stay with me now. We're going to climb back out of this. I promise this will be encouraging. Like Liz Taylor said to her seven husbands, I won't keep you long. So let's jump in. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you sin against a holy God? That's what I love about the Bible. It has the answer. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 10. In fact, I would love for us to read this out loud. It's up on the screen. Would you read it with me nice and loud? And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has you to the eternal glory of Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Do you know who restores you? God does. So what is my part? If you're taking notes, you might want to fill this in. Number one, let Jesus restore me. You have to let Jesus restore you. That starts by saying, I'm wrong, I'm broken, Lord, would you fix me? You have to let him in. Now, most people, even if they're not Christians, know the story of Peter denying Jesus three times in Matthew 26. Peter denied Jesus before the what crowed? Rooster. The rooster crowed, yeah. 
The Bible tells us in Matthew 26, verse 72, Peter is uh, warming himself by a fire of coals. Matthew 26, verse 72, it says, he, somebody comes up to Peter and they go, hey, you were with that Jesus guy, weren't you? Here's what happens. He denied it again. He's already denied it once. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. A little while later, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Peter, he had seen Jesus walk on water. He'd seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. And now when the chips are down, he says, I don't even know him. Peter, how could you do such a thing? Jesus even said on you, I will build my church. See, Peter's problems didn't start that night. They never do. All of us, the struggles we have, they don't happen overnight, do they? A really bad decision starts with a thousand little bad decisions leading up to it. If we're honest, we know we all have issues that have been building for a long time. Peter was the same way. Peter was a liar. Peter was two-faced. Peter had a temper. Now, some of you might be thinking, yes, Pastor Lee, but Pastor Sean always tells us, the Bible tells us Jesus accepts me just the way I am, warts and all. Yes, Pastor Sean is right. Pastor Sonny is right. Jesus accepts you where you are, but he is not content to leave you there. He wants you to deal with your issues. How many of you have issues? Raise your hand. All right, those of you who did not raise your hand, your issue is lying. <laughs> And pride, we actually all have issues, don't we? We're all a mess. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, you are a hot mess. Go ahead and tell them. (laughs) Hey, don't get into detail, just you are a hot mess. Leave it there, okay? (laughs) Yep. But God always gives you another chance. That's what this series is about. The whole idea of this series that Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny are doing, the rise after the fall. God always gives you another chance. How many are excited about that? Give the Lord a big hand today. God always gives you another chance. But there's an attitude that's required or it won't work. Number two, stay humble or I stumble. Peter has denied that he knows Jesus three times. And then the Bible says he caught Jesus looking at him. Can you imagine if your best friend in the whole wide world that you'd lived life with, you'd ate with, you'd done miracles with, all these wonderful things, and you have just said, I tell you, and you curse, and then you say, I don't know the man, and right about then, he is off in a distance being beat up and tried for something he didn't do, and he looks at you. And verse 72 says, he went outside and wept bitterly. You know what I've found in the last 10 years? There are blessings in being broken and humble. God does his best work then. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There's something beautiful that happens when you are broken. That's when Jesus walks up 
and he puts a robe on you. The Bible says he clothes us in righteousness, a righteous robe. Whenever Sandy hears a noise outside at night, I put this sucker on and the thieves run. <laughs> a robe of righteousness. This is based on Isaiah 61, verse 10 in the Old Testament. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of whose? Whose? His righteousness. See, when you say, Jesus, I am brokenhearted over my sin, he comes and he goes, here, put on my righteousness, and it'll cover that. Isn't that beautiful? But we have to stay broken. See, I think sometimes we think our sin is not as bad as somebody else's sin. We look at somebody else and go, well, Lisa didn't do that. Some of your husbands will be driving home with their wife from church today, and you'll be like, at least I didn't do that. Give me some credit, baby. <laughs> we think God is lucky to have us on his team. We start thinking our sin isn't really a big deal. And the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. The Bible says our righteousness, what we can pull out, that is like a filthy rag to God. Our good works never save us. We need the righteousness of Jesus to cover us up. Then God sees you as the son or daughter of the king. Purple robe, that stands for royalty. You are a son of the king. You are a daughter of the king. How many are glad about that today? You are adopted by the king. Your sins then are separate. Oh, I love this so much. Thank you, Jesus. Your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west. How many are glad about that? The Bible says God takes our sins and throws them into the depths of the ocean. How many are really glad about that? You are forgiven. And now when you die, you're going to heaven, a perfect place with no more tears, no more pain, no more cancer. So all you have to do is say, Jesus, I accept. I'm in. I need the robe. See, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that when we close in a little bit. Or maybe you've drifted. You're a Christian, you already took that step. This has to come off, it's really hot. <laughs> and if you drifted, lady, lady, lately, it's a good time to recommit, to talk to God about what's going on. Because if you have failed like I have, please, number three, refuse to lose the dream. Go back to John now, the Gospel of John. John 21, it tells us about a decision that Peter makes. He says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Peter is like, all right, I've failed at this whole ministry thing with Jesus, obviously, I'm done. I'm going back to fishing. 
Here's what I've discovered. You can't look back. How many agree? If you start staring behind you, you will crash. Have you ever noticed in your car, the rear view mirror is small. The windshield is big. You know why? If you stare at that rear view mirror, you're going to crash. You're going to look forward. How many are ready to look forward? If we fail, here's what happens. We want to give up. We want to just walk away. But Romans 11:29 says, "The gifts and calling of the Lord are irrevocable." Yes. Now I realize some of you might be sitting here going, "Whatever, bro. I don't agree with the pastor coming back after he's done something like that." I can appreciate that. But perhaps you're contradicting a major strategy that God uses. God uses people who have failed. (laughs) It's all throughout the Bible. Next time you think God can't use you anymore, just remember this. Noah was a drunk. In fact, Noah was a naked drunk. Genesis chapter 9. You know you got a problem if every time you get drunk, somehow you end up naked as well. How many agree? That's a drunk drunk. (laughs) Abraham was old. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. I mean, Joseph was a daydreamer. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was always crying. David had an affair. And then he murdered the husband. David. God goes, there's a man after my own heart. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job fought for bankruptcy. John the Baptist ate locusts. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy was too young. Pastor Schatz, a little crazy, but God uses them all, and he can use you too. Give the Lord a big hand. God can use you. So what's the answer? Number four, listen for God's voice. The boys are back to their old occupation. John 21 verse three gives us the deal. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And the answer back to Jesus, what? Say it with me now. Say it with some attitude. No. Oh, no, you've been fishing all night. And you haven't caught nothing. And some smarty pants landlubber is standing on the shore going, did you got any fish? What would you answer back to him? No. No, with a little more gusto. No. Jerk. <laughs> Why do you want to listen for Jesus calling out? Number five, trust Jesus to turn failures into miracles. Verse six, this passage gives me the chills. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. Peter was like, Jesus, you came back for me. So good. 
The other disciples followed to the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. A fire of burning coals. Do you know that is only mentioned two times in the Bible? It's mentioned right here, a fire of burning coals, and the other time was, that's what everybody's warming themselves with as they stood around and said, you know that, you're with that guy, Peter. Jesus took him back to the very feeling of that moment. He committed the worst sin of his life, denying that he knew Jesus. And he goes, I'm redeeming this moment right now. Peter, it's not over. I love you. Oh, now the failure is becoming a miracle. And you know, I don't have proof of this. My engineer brain kicks in. But I think the fish were swimming under the boat all night. I mean, how could they have jumped in the net so fast? He says, put your net down on the other side of the boat. I don't know how this worked. I mean, I think it's like finding Nemo or something. You know, the boat are un- fish are under the boat all night, and they're like, they're probably talking to Jesus. Fish talk to Jesus, and they're probably like, Jesus, can we jump into the net? No, it's not time yet. And they're following all around the lake. They're trying to find the fish, and the fish are like, do we have to stay under the boat? Can't we just get in the net? No, I'll tell you when. Finally, here's the thing. Your miracle is closer than you think. You say, God doesn't see me suffering. God doesn't see my plight. God doesn't know what I'm going through. Your miracle's right under the boat. Just shut up and wait and keep looking. And all of a sudden, Jesus will go, now, now is the time for the miracle. Jump in, fishies. God has a miracle that's beyond your wildest expectations. Ephesians 3.20, it's one of my favorite verses. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Give the Lord a big hand. That's what he's got for you. Reminds me of this elderly lady. She was well known for her faith and her boldness to talk about Jesus. She'd stand on her front porch in the morning and she'd go, well, praise the Lord. Next door to her, of course, wouldn't you know it, lived an atheist. <laughs> the atheist would get so angry because she was always out there talking about the Lord. He would yell back at her, there ain't no Lord. Well, hard times set on the old lady. She was having trouble getting groceries. So she prayed to God to send her assistance. She's like, praise the Lord, God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Lord, send me some assistance. The next morning, lady goes out on her porch. There's a box full of groceries. Oh, she went to just praise the Lord. She's like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The neighbor jumps out from behind the bushes and he goes, ah, I told you there ain't no Lord. I bought them groceries. God didn't buy them. The lady started jumping up and down even more excited. She goes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He not only sent me the groceries, he had the devil pay for it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) How many agree God can use the least likely people to bring about your miracle? Last one, number six. Watch as Jesus uses your story. He'll use your story. John 21, verse 16. Oh, excuse me, verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now, people have tried to figure out this fish thing, 153. Why did the Holy Spirit put 153 fish? Do we need to know how many fish? Is this math with Jesus? Some people are going, well, if you take the one and subtract the five and add the three and, you know, and all this stuff. Here's why. I think it's a, a simple. It's the details of your testimony. I bet for the rest of his life, Peter would go, there's 153 fish that day, and that net didn't break. Another part of the miracle. So good. See, you have a story. You have details. People used to call it giving a testimony. They'd say, stand up and give a testimony. Every single one of you has a one, five, three story. So good. I told you some of the details about my restoration today. What's yours? Or maybe your one, five, three story is still being written. Maybe you're sitting in your chair right now and you're desperately hoping this is real. Maybe you're watching online. You're going, is this real? Praying that Jesus can do the impossible? Let me look in your eyes right now. He can do it. He can do it. Jesus can do it. I am proof that Jesus can heal and restore and bless and keep you. Look at what Jesus said to Simon Peter before he had his failure. Before all this happened, back in Luke 22, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You know what strengthens the people around you? Hearing how God brought you through, brought you through that terrible time, brought you through that challenge, that setback, and repaired the damage. So I don't know what brought you here today. Regardless of why you're watching online or you're here today, God wants to tell you this. I love you. Yes. I love you. And this is your day. This is your moment. Chains are broken. I'm going to set you free. Jesus is here in this place right now. He's restoring you. He's melting your heart. It's okay. Don't panic. It's okay to let him melt your heart. And if you will turn to Jesus and just go, Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm humbling myself before you. He will forgive you. He'll put his robe of righteousness on you, his righteousness. He'll separate your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. And he will do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ask or think. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, you know me. Mm. You know all my weaknesses. You know what I did last night. You know what I did at work. 
you know, what I've been doing on my computer, my phone. And yet, you still love me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me and putting a robe of righteousness on me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Help me follow your dreams for my life. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, would you just take that step right now? It's so important. Say, Jesus, I don't know if I understand everything about this, but I like what I've heard. I know one thing, I want to be forgiven. So as much as I know how, I now ask you, would you please come into my heart? Would you forgive me? And would you set me free? Help me spend the rest of my life learning more about it. And Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.